And we are back. You know, actually, to quote some famous words, here we go again. Here we go, go, go to the temple on consumption. Get your gear and start to spend. Here we go, go, go with total dedication. Boom. Now, many people probably don't recognize that, but there's a little throwback to um Shaka Bo. Well, you know, it's been boy, feels ages since the last cast, man. And it was only last week. But yeah, it might be all the painkillers I am currently munching. But uh yeah, just trying to keep on keeping on. But there has been so much crazy shit happening, man. Ah, like, to so many stories that have just given me pause. And I'm just looking at them thinking, wait, are people that stupid? What's going on? And, um, all right, let, let, we're just going to go straight into it. Like, uh, yo, so <laughs> there was this um, funny, funny, funny ass story man was um a, a man tricked straight men into gay sex and when i first saw this i was a bit like wait what how how can you trick people into having gay sex i don't you know it was a bit like it makes no sense to me it, it, i don't see how that how that is happening is as as soon as um you know you feel someone tapping at the back door, you probably realize, hold on, something's going on here and uh, so i read I read the piece, and it's just a bit like no one was being tricked, every one of these people knew what was going on. It's like um so so supposedly this guy from Florida, um, Florida in America. If those certain people out there were wondering, um, so this guy he'd uploaded all of these videos of non-consensual, um, you know, videotapes to a pornography website called Straight Boys. With a Z, not an S, yo. Um, so straight away, it's just like, look, that's suspect. But um, <laughs> so supposedly, people were meeting this guy on on websites like Craigslist, um, and he'd, he'd <laughs> in the article it'd be like, and he lured them back to his house. Uh, <laughs> uh, but. Um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's kind of weird though, because supposedly all, all his, like, um, postings, like adverts, um, yeah, like ads, profiles, that's the word I was looking for, all these profiles say, a sexy cross-dresser. Well, I mean, what what else would that be? If I read a cross-dresser, I'm not thinking, 
oh, it's a girl that likes wearing dungarees every now and again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, you know what it is. You know what it is straight out the gate. It's just like, um, <laughs> like he he told the guys to that um they have to wear um blindfolds or um dark goggle dark goggles and you know like look if i went back to a girl's house and she said oh before we do anything i want you to wear uh you know these these dark goggles or this blindfold i'd be like you know i, I I fully respect the things that you might like to do, but there's no way in hell I'll be doing that shit. You know what I mean? But even you're you're doing that, and as I said, you feel that little knock, knock. You're like, hey, I'm out of here. But no, they carried on. And now they're trying trying to claim that, you know, they were duped. They would, yeah. They might have been duped to have this stuff videoed, but they weren't duped for the full act itself, you know. So I, I, I don't know who the hell th- these guys are trying to kid. I just find it hilarious. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> yo, I another story that I saw was um. So, there's all these YouTube stars out there, you know, um, it's kind of a crazy world, because that, none of that shit was around when, you know what I mean, I, I, I was growing up, uh, so it's a bit kind of, it's a bit odd to, to see how, how these people have suddenly became these huge parts of the zeitgeist, you know, um, but there's this one guy, called Logan Paul, who's actually fighting some British YouTube dude, um, and so he's out at the moment, um, promoting a fight, like, yeah, they're meant to be having this fight, um, and he, so he's doing all this press to promote this fight, and he was meant to be doing, he did an interview with BBC, BBC Radio 1 and um a lot of people complained so then BBC were like oh we're not going to play the interview and i'm just like what what the hell is that you know i i i've look we're meant to be living in a time of free speech and you know just complete freedom, but then all these things happen to kind of make you go, well, actually, are we, are we living in this free speech world that everyone wants to proclaim, because it doesn't seem like that, now look, I'm not saying that this dude is is amazing, he's great, that he talks intelligence, but people like him, there's people that like him, he has something to say, so, hey, let him do his thing, because, you know, if you don't want to listen to him, 
You don't have to. But it's just... You know, I think the, the the crazy thing about the whole whole incident is the fact that BBC is just it's they they're a bit cowardly in the way they went about it. Look, everyone is like people are moaning. And I, I can imagine look, the amount of people that moaned isn't even probably a fraction of the amount of people that actually listen. So you're really doing a disservice to all your fans that want to actually listen to this shit anyway. But instead of just going, you know what? We f- we fucked up. This dude is an idiot. They're saying, oh, um, we, well, we listened to the interview. So first of all, they were promoting the interview. This is the crazy thing. They're promoting the interview itself. Like they're going to actually play it. Then... They they turn around and go, oh, actually, um, we listened back to the interview and it doesn't seem like it's as good a quality as we normally would, so we're not going to put it out. Which is just rubbish. Because, look, if you're promoting the interview, you listen back to the interview to get the clips so you could promote it. So let's not get it twisted. You already know what the interview is. You know what the quality of the interview is. You've just decided to be cowards and not play it. So let's not front. You know what I mean? Let's not front. That's what you decided. And you have Charlie Sloth who did the interview. He's all like, um, oh, you know what? He's glad because... You know, uh, he doesn't, he, you know, he, he had issues with Logan anyway. But I'm like, look, if you really had mad problems with this dude, you wouldn't have done the interview in the first place. You know, because there's people, look, well, I've interviewed people. Um, and there's, you know, when, if there's someone who I just don't agree with at all on any levels... I'm not saying he shouldn't be interviewed, but I'm I might not do it myself. There's lines. You know, for me there has to be something really heinous for me not to bother because look, it's all about getting from someone like truths and understanding and insight. So if you're a great interviewer, even if you don't actually like someone, you can still get those things from them. So to so to go, oh, it was just a bad interview. You know, we don't like the quality of the interview. That means you're a bad interviewer. You know what I mean? If you couldn't get what you wanted, that's on you. You could have stopped the interview and gone, hey, listen, Logan, I need more from this, man. I'm trying to get, so look, I'm going to press play again in a minute. And we'll go from the top, but let's, you know what I mean? Let's 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 be honest here. Let's let's get everything out there. Otherwise, it's a it's a wrap. We ain't doing this shit. It's not what they did, though, is it? It's not what they did. They just decided to be cowards, and that's the that's the thing that's. I just think, ugh, BBC man, what are you doing? You keep on you keep on doing this shit. It's so it's. It's just upsetting that the these people that are meant to be bastions of of truth are, are just not that. 
You know what I mean? Stop trying to rep something that you're not. Ugh. But, it's, but it just seems to be, you know, the current state of the world that we're living in. Like, one one crazy, crazy thing that I've just seen today, actually, was... um. So Facebook and Instagram are introducing um, this a, a new tool that lets you set a time on um, a, well a limit on your time that you want to browse their um, their apps on your phone or tablets, whatever device you actually want to use. So you can say. Look, I'm just going to spend five minutes on Instagram And supposedly it will then flash up And go, you, you've hit your time limit Log off And you can mute all the notifications So you might have a meeting Or you're doing some work And you're like, I don't want to be disturbed for three hours And it will mute everything for three hours But the crazy thing is People are going That this is, you know, they should do more, which is insane. I'm, I'm just like, look. So there's a thing on, um, on the BBC website, and this is what it says. Um, one person says, I wouldn't say it's a radical change, or that it's going to really change a lot about about the way that most people use Facebook or Instagram. Grant Blanc from Oxford. Internet Institute tells Newspeak It strikes me as a way to balance Their corporate interest of People spending As much time as possible On Facebook while still being Responsive to people who find the Continual notifications disturbing And distracting But What I feel is what people Are missing out look It's our own responsibility For the things we do I don't understand why people are trying to put blame on others for their own mistakes. Look, if I want to spend all day on Facebook, that's on me. That's not on them. They have no responsibility for what I choose to do with their friggin' Facebook app or, or, or the website. You know, anything I want to do on that, anytime, that's of me. But instead of going, hey, I need to look at my own behaviour It's easier to go, well, it's their fault for putting it there I thought, if, if, they didn't, if, if that wasn't there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing the things I'm doing And that's not it Look, we have to take our own responsibility for our actions You know, people want to go, oh, well, this famous person is doing this And that's why I did it like, no, you're a sheep. That's why you did it. You have no mind of your own. And people go, oh, you know, there's so much. Yeah, it's like the whole argument about violence and, and things and going, well, there's so much violence on TV. That's why people are, you know, robbing and killing and all of these shenanigans. I mean, like, it's, it's really not. It's really not because... Those same people, if they didn't see that shit, they would still do the same heinous acts. You know, when we were kids, like, Tom and Jerry were killing each other every second. You know what I mean? There, there, was, pl- look, there was plenty of violence out there. But, you know, p- 
people still chose not to not to ape those acts not to do the same things now because there's the computer games because there's more on tv and everything like that song lyrics and all manner of things people want to go well it's those things that have created the breakdown in the social dynamic and it's not it's not we have to look at ourselves we have to look at the way we act like how many times have you seen like parents letting their kids run wild while they're just talking to friends on the phone how many times have you seen parents like crossing the road when there's a red light and dragging their kids after them like women men they're pushing their pram out into the road to stop a car these are actions that people see and people ape you know if they see like their parents not giving a fuck why are they gonna give a fuck you know it's not because oh they played a computer game as such some you know sometimes it might be but the people that are triggered from seeing something on tv hearing something on a podcast on a radio whatever these are people that would be triggered by anything you know there there would always be something that would trigger those same people so let's not blame corporations for all the bad things that are happening around the world and let's look at our own actions that the way we choose to live our lives so instead of saying look facebook instagram twitter should have time limits how about just teaching kids in school the value of time you know what about that and how about let's do it at an early age instead of making kids do all these stupid ass tests in infant school how about teach them actual life skills you know you could teach them languages in foreign schools they're teaching fucking kids languages so it's easier for them to learn so hey have a fun language time with them teach them about time management teach them about you know embracing culture and others like you know things other people have to say how about that because right now there's not that in the world you know the amount of times you see people go oh if you voted this way i don't want to talk to you and it's just like it's ludicrous because look just because someone else has got a different view on you on one thing doesn't make that person a pariah it means you don't agree on one thing but the what you have to understand it might not be a complete whole of a thing it's just the way people have to vote on stuff you know I mean you might not agree with one thing but because you don't agree with that one thing you can't then vote for say labor and you're forced to vote another way you know you you don't agree with like guns so you'd vote what 
Republican? I don't know, Democrat. You know, when that might be the only thing that you believe you agree with the Republicans on. So, in other words, you'd be a Democrat if it wasn't for that one little thing, and that's what it is. Look, there's so many things that we might not agree on, but there's so many things we would agree on. But you're cutting all those people out of your life. Because you're an idiot Because you don't want to just go Okay, I respect the fact that you have a different view from me That's cool, man But we still can talk on all these other things And we'll talk on that one The thing we don't agree on as well Because that conversation will educate each other Will help inform each other And that's what we need in life you know, instead of this blame culture that we live in, you know, but I don't know, I'm I'm probably ranting, I'm probably, you know, this verbal diatribe, <laughs> but hey, I, I didn't, to be honest, I, I'm not reading up on all this, and all this stuff, I'm not purporting to be the fountain of knowledge or anything like that. It's just a viewpoint, people. It's just a viewpoint. But let's move on, eh? Let's move on. And, hey, you know what? It's a perfect little little segue because I went to a poetry event this well, last week. Last week, it was a poetry book social summer showcase at, you know, at a, one of my usual haunts, the South Bank Centre. So let's, yeah, let's see what happened with that, eh? So just on my way home from uh, South Bank Centre, went to, um, what was it? It was a uh, poetry, a poetry night. So it was the Poetry Society book. Um... Book Summer Showcase, and um, you know it was an it, it was an interesting evening. Uh, so there was um, readings from um, J. G. Ying, Mary Jean Chang, and Amy K. And also, um, Sandeep Palm, Palmer, um, read some, uh, read some poems as well. So, you know, like, it was interesting. Um, wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> you know, I, um, I fall. As it was a book club, he said book club, it was just gonna be everyone just talking about books and poetry. You'd hear some poems and we'd discuss it, and but it was just more uh, a straight up evening, like a uh, reading. And that's cool, that's cool. Um, I would say that I think the structure could have been. A little better just because each person did about five or six poems back to back which was a bit long it would have been better if they'd kind of 
spread them out a bit more so there was a bit more diversity maybe two poems and switch something like that could have been better and like some people I think public speaking is very difficult you know not everyone has the voice for it you know not everyone is able to um, like project um, yeah and just put like that emphasis in the right way and everything like that uh, which I thought was a bit of an issue and it is always it always is with like the literature events because when you're getting the author to read their own work not every author is good at reading so um yeah that was you know but like that could have been better but it was you know it was still interesting there was some there was some good some really good poems you know um which was fun but yeah it, it just wasn't really um wasn't really the event i was expecting and also my leg is killing me still so you know even like like taking loads of painkillers then got to a point where i'm just like i cannot concentrate on this shit <laughs> i need i need i need to tap out but i mean I, I stuck with it listened to the rest of the poems so you know it, it wasn't like too long or anything like that so yeah it was fine but yeah i just thought you know, it, I think sometimes you go to these events because it's just like meeting people is very friggin' difficult, you know? Um, because when you go out with friends, everyone's like just going out, everyone's catching up and talking and stuff like that. So you're not meeting anyone. So sometimes it's just like you pick certain events, you go to certain events and certain things like that, thinking, all right, I'm gonna meet some like-minded people up in this, you know? Um, and I think that, that that's the thing, you have to put yourself out there. You have to go to different events and stuff. But I will tell you now, that was not the event. I fucked up hard with that one. Yeah, you know, when, when you're picking a potential event that might have some like-minded, age-appropriate women in it, that was not the event, but, um, <laughs> but, that's alright, man, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> you live and you learn, you live and you learn, but afterwards, um, they had some uh some live music um but on the, you know on the terrace uh outside over overlooking the thames there at the moment uh because it's the summer the south bank center has got a, a stage so they were playing some live music and it started off fine then this woman was doing a solo and she's got some horrible friends because they should have told her girl your ass cannot sing Whew. It, it was it was getting ropey it was definitely getting ropey she should she couldn't maybe she's good on certain songs but the song she was singing she was not hitting 
any of the register. So, yeah, <laughs> that was interesting. And then after the singing, they had, uh, they, they had a screening of um, Sister Act. Um, and, uh, <laughs> like, the weather is ridiculous right now, you know? But for some reason, they were um, power. They were saying that the um, all the entertainment outside was getting powered by bikes. So you know they had some uh, pedal bicycles set up, and people would ride them, which would generate the electricity to supposedly have the lights, the music and the cinema on. Obviously, if no one pedaled, the shit was still gonna work. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? It's a straight up gimmick. Now, don't get me wrong, you definitely get the bikes that will generate electricity, but you're not gonna have a big event like that and risk it not be being on because everyone is lazy <laughs> but I will say this ain't the weather to be jumping on a friggin pedal bike when you're meant to be trying to have some fun because all that happens is you become a sweaty horrible mess and there, <laughs> there was one guy on the bike and my man like he might have a heart attack and he looked like a huge sweaty mess. It, it was ridiculous. But all in all, it was a fun night. It was good getting out because, God damn it, I'm a shit patient. I hate sitting, doing nothing. So it was good getting out, having fun. And, um, yeah. And I'm going to take some painkillers and die. <laughs> all right. I mean, I think outdoor cinema is, you know, that's just becoming bigger and bigger. There's loads of places doing that now. But the South Bank have actually got a good lineup of films. Like, um, they've had Labyrinth since the Sister Act screening. Next week, on Wednesday the 8th, they're showing Hairspray. Then on the 15th, they're showing The Greatest Showman. And then on the 22nd, it's Greece. So they're all kind of, I think it's good programming. Because they're all family, they're all films that you can really kind of go down with the whole family and have a, a fun time out, really. A little sing-along and everything like that. So, yeah, you know, if you're along the South Bank on a Wednesday night, nothing to do. Go check out a film. And they're free. That's the thing. A lot of these other ones, you know, it's fun and all. Like backyard cinema and all of that. But you have to pay. And it's 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 more expensive than a normal cinema ticket. Which is like the one thing, you know. Because I think they're like trying to sell this experience. But it, it works out a bit pricey. Especially when you want some food and some drink and all of that, you know. So it becomes like a really expensive night out. But... What the South Bank is doing, it's free. So it's a kind of a good look, man, to go down with the family. You know, take a day even. It's, you know, it's cool. But, um, 
yeah i don't you know watching films outside is a bit tricky this is all about like light um infiltration and and the way it hits the screen and being able to see it and all of that so i stick with indoor cinema and um i did see a film this week so um yeah oh well oh you want to hear about it hmm let's see what we can do so I've just seen Mission Impossible Fallout. I believe this would make it six. Yeah, I, th- I think this is the sixth film in the series. But yes, just seen that film. Um, I, so the thing is, right, I really liked Ghost Protocol. Um, I think that was Abraham's, wasn't it? And yeah, I like that film. It kind of brought the fun back to the series, but not too ridiculous, but still mad goofy. You know what I mean? Uh, the next one, um, I think that was Road Nation. Um, it was okay. It was definitely better than, you know, the first three. But I still... But yeah, Rogue Nation, it was okay, but it wasn't as good as Protocol. Now, I'd heard that this film was, like, the best action film out. It was amazing, it was good, it was back to the great quality... All of this stuff, um, yeah. So, yeah, a certain film podcast had stated. So I was a bit like, "All right, cool. Let me go check this out." You know, is you know, you get a good action film is is always fun. You know, um, like the cast was good. Like Henry Cavill was in it. You know what I mean? Like, Vim Rhymes is back, Vivereska Ferguson, Angela Bassett, Vanessa Kirby. So you're thinking, okay, yeah, should be good, man, should be good. So I went, and um, I have no clue <laughs> what people are talking about. This is not a great film. It It really isn't. It's very... It's, it just doesn't make any sense, to be honest with you. There's a lot of things that are odd. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. But I think there's there's a line that you know has been mentioned several times. And it's like, at the beginning of the film, we're kind of told... That, um, you know, Ethan's greatest weakness is the fact that he cares too much. You know, like, he cares too much. He has a heart. He, He looks after the one as well as the many. But that, Ethan, that's not your weakness. I see that as your greatest the opposite of weakness, because I can't think of a word for it right now. 
Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and it's a bit like, oh man. And then that's repeated several times in the film, you know. Uh, and it's like, it really kind of helps sum up the issue with the film. You know, we're not left to understand things through actions. Everything is explained to you. You know, it's just like, I, I punched that guy because he was bad. I mean, I mean yeah, we, we kind of figured that out, guys. Yeah, it kind of made sense, you know. Uh, so this stuff, it, everything is kind of force-fed to you. And then there's, like, these... Like, the conversations do not flow like a normal conversation. Everything is is rather... It's either long-winded, people are just talking in this weird... Weird manner. Because, as I said, look, everyone's explaining everything overly. And... It's kind of like <clears throat> they're talking like they they've never met each other before. It's all a little bit stilted. It's all a bit weird. And then when you have characters that have met each other and maybe a friend and blah blah blah, the conversation it, it it's it's very odd because it's not. Hmm. It's hard to say. Like it's over friendly. I wouldn't say it's over friendly, but it's just it. It comes off this really fake adoration for each other kind of thing. It, it's it's yeah. It's just a bit saccharine. It's just fake. There's so much fakeness in the film, and we're not just talking the stupid masks this time, you know. And everything is very predictable. Like, you know everything that's going to happen. You know someone's not going to die in a certain instance. You know, like, someone's going to escape. Someone's going to... It's just... You know what is going to happen. You're watching it and you're like... Okay, right. So, yeah. That. They're going to escape there, they're going to do this, blah, 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 blah. Which, which takes all, like, the fun out of the film. And I think it's um, Vanessa Kirby's character. Um, let me think of what her character... She's like a broker, um with goods and, and, and things like that. The White Widow. That's what they call her. Yeah, her character... I have no... It's like she's high. The way she's talking... does not... fit anything. It's just weird. It, it It's really, really weird. And I don't think this is a spoiler... But there's one bit and she just kisses Cruz for no reason. Because there's no chemistry really between them or anything like that. It's just weird. It, it's just like it was a weird thing to add. 
you know unless you know you're like oh we want to establish a, a relationship with them in films to come but oh god it, it was weird it didn't work it kind of threw the tempo of the film a little <clears throat> and another like so this is a, a weird thing right because in the film Cruz Ethan Hawke he looks his age you know what I mean he looks his age so uh, for that point it is very weird when you see him like having crashes and, and things like this and then getting back up and not just getting back up but then running like a 10k after taking like this ridiculous fall and you're thinking like even a really healthy fit young person isn't taking that fall then getting up running a 10k and then doing other huge ridiculous jumps all over the shop ain't happening man is not happening so it was just so that it's a bit like look it made more sense in like I think like Ghost Protocol, some of the, like those films, because you had other agents doing a lot of that kind of work, and you're like, all right, this makes sense. Ethan is kind of passing that bit off to one of the younger, newer agents. That you know, that makes sense. That works. But then, if you're changing the dynamic again now, and having him do all of that stuff, you have to do it in a way where you can go, all right. I, I can definitely see someone of that age doing that shit. You know, you like let's let's try and keep a, a semblance of reality in this. You know, and I think one of the, the one of the most frustrating parts of the film is Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg's character. He's just there for comic relief, and it's it's not comic relief. It really isn't comic relief. You know, I think if you have if you want him there for that reason, he's there only for that reason. Because in the film, you have him like questioning operational like procedures and plans and things like this he he doesn't have another option he's just like oh but even i wouldn't do that and he's just like but in real life he wouldn't be questioning because he hasn't any he hasn't any real like like time in the field so it makes no sense then you have him when he's doing his actual job and you know, for a laugh, it's like, oh, I, I I got my right and left wrong. Oh, I I hadn't zoomed it out. Oh, I, and you're just like, All right. So you are there for a tech, the technical wizardry. You, that's you. That's you. That's your task. Being able to do this shit, and you're making all these mistakes. Like one mistake, it can be funny. It can be amusing, maybe, but. Like the repetitiveness of it, it's just a bit like 
what you, you, you're forcing this too much. I don't know why this character is here. Can we stop, please? Can we? Yeah, the, like the film was too long. I mean, that, I think that is the essential thing here. It is. It's a long. It's a long film. It could have definitely done with being um, with being shorter. I mean that that would have helped things, but um, yeah, because it's what nearly nearly two and a half hours. It didn't need to be two and a half hours. I think you could have told the story in an hour and a half. And everything would have been fine. But, uh... Yeah, then I think... I don't know what's going to happen. I'd imagine we're going to get a... uh, A seventh film, unfortunately. (sighs) Yeah, you just hope... That they maybe make it a bit more realistic. And they cut the flab off of it and get rid of some of these characters because Vin Rames, Simon Pegg all, all very pointless and let, let's be honest none of this would have worked would have been needed if Simon Pegg's character had just picked up the case at the beginning because he was closest to it he's closest to the case no field training but he's running after cruise with a gun. It's just <sighs> rubbish. But uh yeah, looking forward I think maybe the next film will be Ant Man and Wasp. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. That's Mission Impossible Fallout people. So I've just finished Star Trek Discovery which is interesting it's a, yeah um, it's probably I mean I would say my favourite Star Trek TV show was Deep Space Nine but it was I think around season 4 I think it was around season four, because at the beginning, I hated it. It was just, ugh, it was so dull. It was just so dull, had no character whatsoever. And it was clear it was a pale comparison to Babylon 5. But then, Cisco shaved his head. And it was just like, he'd had a balls transplant. Because then he started acting with a little bit of swagger, a little bit of attitude. And it gave the show more character and oomph. Still not as good as Babylon 5, but it was good though. It was better than Next Generation and all the other bullshit. Um, but still it had the typical Star Trek problems. But... Yeah, and then Wolf came on board, and yeah, you know, it was it was all right. It was good. It was decent. And I would say that um, Star Trek Discovery is probably my second favorite. 
But that's not saying too much because I hated the original series. I hated Voyager, Enterprise and was not really a fan of Next Generation. Yeah, I pretty much hated that too. So, you know, take that as you will. But I will say that Discovery had, man, it looked slick as hell. I, you know, I mean, you cannot deny that. Looked slick as hell, man. It yeah, really did. Um, and the show, yeah, it. I think it definitely had its strengths. Having, it's good to have kind of a continuous story going all the way through. I think that adds something. I mean, that was always a problem with Star Trek. Because they had these really short story arcs. But it was never enough time for a story to breathe and have really put life in itself. That I mean, one of the problems... I remember that there was the episode towards the end of Deep Space Nine. And um, Deep Space Nine got taken over. And there was this big war and everything. I think it lasted three episodes. Three episodes and then it was done. The war was done. Deep Space Nine had been won back. And you were just like, wait, what the fuck is going on, man? That that can't work. That's weird. So, I think giving Discovery a continuous overarching story, that was good. So, you know, that was a good point. And, you know... I think for the most part, the acting was pretty solid, you know, um, I mean, a few people were irritating, um, like Tilly, now, do not get me wrong, because Tilly was fine as hell, you know what I mean, like, god damn it, Mary Wiseman, you know what I mean, boom, but, it's the, the 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 character did get a little tiresome, just with the oh look at me I'm quirky I'm quirky oh I'm silly oh I did this oh I'm quirky oh please be my friend please 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 constant talking constant it was a bit like look something like yes people can have certain of those traits but for it to be as continuous. As her character was, that's where it, where you stumble because it's never as continuous as that. There will be manic moments, but for a continuous diatribe of oddness, not so much. So it was just oh, there's some bits that were overplayed, you know, um, and like Michael Burnham. I, I don't even know really how to pronounce Sonika Martin Green. I believe if I'm wrong, I apologize. I will um, gladly buy you dinner to make up for my mistake. But um, like her character was good, but the uh, you know a problem with it, I feel. Um, and it's something that I noticed, I remember there was a film, people might not remember this, but Equilibrium, and it was a film about people 
in a world where emotion had been stopped and no one had emotion anymore. But then, like, the, all the motivation of the main character was emotional. So, but there, but you know, the, the, the still the plot was saying that this character had no emotion. So it made no sense. And I think that was one of the flaws of Michael Burnham. Because you're saying, oh, she grew up with Klingon, so she does not have human emotion anymore. But then every one of the actions is really based on emotion. So you're, you're, you're making this one claim, but then everything is counteractive of that, you know? So it was a bit... A bit strange And then Because you kept on then getting points of like um, Oh I want to do this Oh but I can't because I don't understand Oh but I'm doing this Wait but you just said you can't um, You don't understand emotions But then you go and do something That clearly shows that you do You know It's a bit odd It's it's flaws like that That just Stop me from fully embracing things like this, yeah, I mean, so you know, I can fully see like look it was it was a slick, solid show, so you can fully see how people everyone a lot of other people are gonna really enjoy this, as I said, look it it's the second best Star Trek, so you can see how it can be enjoyed, but there are these flaws. You know, um, I think one big thing is it's the <clears throat> trying to force like these moral, the, the, these moral um, kind of ideals on people, and that is something that I think Star Trek always do. You know, they always kind of try and do this kind of thing to you, and I think look, let let's just not do it. Because it's not how things play in the real world, you know. And I think it would it would cu- come off better if it was just left to play out. Like there's um, I I I you know I I won't tr- I try not to give anything away, but there, there was a part at the at the very end, and one character is going to do this one thing. And then suddenly everyone is like, no, we don't believe, like, you know, one character is like, I'm making a stand, I don't believe in this, I'm going to um, go against you. And then everyone stands up and is like, yes, we're we're with this person. And you're just like, look, in the real world, an organization is going to be like, all right, fine, all of you, you're done. We'll bring in a new crew. You know what I mean? So it's a kind of like... Look, that wouldn't... Why is that going to play out? How is that going to play out? You know? It's just these weird kind of situations... That just never happen. Never happen. And so it just makes you go... Oh, come on. Like, no. Like, you can understand if they go... Alright, let, let's hear your idea Let's brainstorm here And they go away, they have a conversation And they go, look, we understand what you're saying 
But the magnitude of this situation it ain't going to play out. We're not happy about it. We wish we could do it your way. It's not going to happen. So you either like it or you just shut the fuck up and sit back and let us take control. If it played like that, you'd be like, all right, yeah, that, I, I, I understand that. But it doesn't. It's all a bit too clean, a bit too lovey-dovey, you know. So it's just like, what world are you living in? Well, <laughs> not, not this world. Well, it is kind of this world, but, you know, a few hundred years in the future and shit, supposedly. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, the other, I, this is the one kind of really big thing that, did really kind of get me about this whole Star Trek because well there's two things firstly I think the uniform was pretty slick the uniform looked cool so how the fuck do you go from this uniform to the bullshit they're wearing in the original series but that's because I'm just like wait what I'd be looking through those history books going Yo, why are we wearing these doe-ass uniforms when back in the day, they wore like these sick little suits? You know, one little thing. Um, and all, like my biggest thing, my biggest, biggest thing is, right? So you're watching Discovery and it's the diversity is insane. You You have such a mix. You've got like black people, Asian people, um, you know, you've got like aliens, a computer kind of head person, you know, um, it's just like a full mix, there's a full mix on board, which is great, it's great, but what the fuck happened to everyone? So what the hell happened to everyone from this to then the original series? You know, what was the situation? Now, like, are you saying that to, um, you know, get on the Enterprise, you had to be white? Was 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 there some sort of policy? <laughs> you read, like um, the National Front took over the Enterprise. They're like, "Hey, this ship is going to where no man has been before." But we ain't taking no blacks. We ain't taking no Chinese. We ain't taking no one else. It's only whites up on this. All right, we have one. We have one token black, and we have one token Asian. That's it. That's it. We ain't fucking around. And definitely no gingers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that what happened? Are you, are you saying this? Because it makes no other sense otherwise. You know? It's just, yeah. That That's like the weird kind of thing that you do when you're trying to make prequels and you're trying to be all fucking PC. You have to think about the consistencies with these things Or then at least put something in that kind of explains a situation Because you're creating all these new races and all new situations 
But then, yeah, how's it all fit in? What 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 happens to it all? You know, probably would have been better if it was set after all of that crazy. But then, you know, like it, it, so, season two, it looks like it's involving Pike and the Enterprise and all of this. She's fine, but again, I I feel we're probably gonna fall into some of these issues. And it's just always a bit weird when you're shoehorning shit into each other, you know. But, like, I didn't hate it. As I said, look, it, it was enjoyable for what it is. It is a little, a little saccharine, you know what I mean? A little too, trying to be too sweet, a little too clean cut. Like, they, you know, they don't want to go full out. Like there's one situation, see, at the beginning Everyone hates this one character And they hate this character Like no one's giving this character any love And then even as you go on A few people accept the character But not everyone Then at the, towards the end There's another character that falls out of grace And at first everyone's like Oh, I don't like this character Don't like this character and then one person's like, I'm sitting with this person. Then literally everyone gets up and goes over to them. I mean, like, be consistent, man. And how and how is it you're then quick to embrace this one, but you won't give the other one time or day? You know what I mean? They, they just need consistency and shit, you know? That's, a, yeah, that, I think that's the, that's my big bugbear with, with, with a lot of stuff is consistency. But, you know, I feel if you have been enjoying the recent Star Trek films, if you like Deep Space Nine, you will like this. You know, it's, and it's worth giving a go. It's 13, no, 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 it's 15 episodes. So it's definitely worth giving a check. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do with season two because it's being renewed. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens and and how things um how things progress you know if we iron out some of this saccharine bullshit you know we we bit be a bit more edgy you know be interesting so it's another weekend another lot of book reviews uh yeah i mean the the first one that i um i did was called the wolf of the north uh, by Duncan M. Hamilton, and it's the first part of a trilogy, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was a really good book. It was, it's not long. Um, yeah, it's like ten ten and a half hours. Um, so yeah, not overly long, but I think it didn't really feel like there was any flap on the story. So. You know, it, it it was good. It kept you, kept you gripped all the way through. You wanted to know what was happening. You know, what what's the deal with the characters and everything like that. It's hard to say too much because, um, yeah, I don't want to give anyway any plot points. But the synopsis of the book is: It has been generations since the Northlands have seen a hero worthy of the title. Many have made the claim, but few have lived to defend it. Timid, 
weak and bullied, Wolfric is as likely a candidate as there could be. A chance encounter with an ancient and mysterious object awakens a latent gift, and Wolfric's life changes course against a backdrop of war, tragedy, and an enemy whose hatred for him knows no bounds. Wolfric will be forged from a young boy into the wolf of the north. This is his tale. So yeah, just that, you know, kind of really tells you everything you need to know about this book. But um, <clears throat> as I said, like, I think you're le- when it finishes, you are definitely left wanting to pick up the next one. So I would definitely recommend uh, checking this out. So yeah, again, it's called Wolf of the North. The um, the next book I did was The Crossing, and this is book eighteen in the Harry Bosch series by Michael Connolly. <clears throat> now I know um. Amazon had been adapting these stories, but I, I, as far as I'm aware, they're not up. They're not quite up to this point yet. But um, yeah, I don't know, right? Well, you know, I guess the synopsis is: Detective Harry Bosch has retired from the LAPD, but his half brother, defense attorney Michael Haller, needs his help. A woman has been brutally murdered in her bed and all evidence points to Haller's client, a former gang member termed family man, though the murder rap seems ironclad. Mickey is sure it's a setup. And then it's just kind of, you know, so it's about Bosch helping his brother out, trying to solve this murder. I think... Um, like, like the thing with these books is they are pretty light. Yeah, I use them as light fluff in between books of more substance. You know, when I, do, when I want something that I don't have to think too much about, um, yeah, I just, I'll, I'll grab something like this. And because I bought a whole load of the series in one go, because I'd been told how great it was. Yeah, a friend of mine, she just wouldn't stop singing the praise of this series. And so, yeah, there was a deal on Audible. I picked them up and um, kind of regret it. Kind of regret it because they irritate the hell out of me. But as I said, look, they're mindless, so I can listen to them, you know, just to just so I don't have to, um, yeah, tax myself at times. But I think the I think the biggest thing, like the writing of these books, it's not great. he really kind of ham fists every point that he wants to make. And it's like he wants to emphasize certain points over and over and over again. Like Harry Bosch likes jazz. You know, it's like he's so cool because he likes jazz music. 
And it's just like, yes. So he picked up this record and he listened to it. And it reminded him of like the time he had his first drink and the emotion that sang through his body. Because Harry Bosch likes jazz. Just like, Jesus Christ. All right, he likes music. Fine, let's move on with this shit. You know what I mean? And I don't know, it's kind of weird because Michael Connolly seems to want to kind of put out these kind of message that Bosch is this guy with so much integrity and loyalty and, you know, he, he's getting messed around by everyone else in his life. But then you read the stories and you're like, but Bosch is an asshole too, right? He, he, he screws his friends over. You know, he like, he kind of forces people to do things that he wants. Like, he isn't overly nice. And I think it's, that is fine. But you kind of feel anyone that does certain things and, and, and lives the way Bosch seems to be living, they understand who they are. You know, so you're not going oh I'm the greatest person in the world you know you might now you might tell that to people to convince them of something so you can get something whatever you want but to yourself you're not going to tell yourself that you're this amazing person but Bosch continuously does this so it gets a bit yeah it gets a bit tiresome you know but they're not long books so yeah, you know, it's not really taking up too much time, and it does kind of clear the plate for something more interesting, but I don't know, look, if you like crime stories, maybe this is for you, but I would say there are better, better things out there, like, I'd check out, like, some of Tony Parsons' books, um, Mark Dawson as well, and, um, yeah, like, John Le Carre as well, you know, if you want, like, some crime books and thrillers and that kind of stuff, yeah, I, I would do those over Michael Connolly, but if you want something light, something that you don't, doesn't tax your mind then, yeah, maybe check this out. And also, if you probably like the TV series but haven't done the books, hey, might be for you, so go check, you know what I mean? But, yeah, so that's been the books of the week, but was, um, yeah, hitting the comics again. Um, I finished off the Luke Cage series. Um... Yeah, you know, I, it didn't really improve. So it was just the last two issues were um, just finishing off the whole storyline with the Ringmaster. It wasn't great. It really wasn't great. You, know, you kind of want... This, I think the biggest thing is, like, someone... It was a, an Avenger. He was in the Fantastic Four for a minute. Um, fun, He ran the Thunderbolts. You know, like, Heroes for High... Like, all this stuff. You, you, 
it's hard to believe that he would fall prey to what happened in this storyline. So you're just a bit like, huh? I don't, I don't really buy it, man. I don't buy it. But yeah, I guess you know it is what it is, really. I mean, the art is nice. So that that that's you know that's that's one thing. I believe the art was um, Gilmoro Sana. Yeah. So the art is really nice, but yeah, it's just the, the story itself is just terrible. And then the last issue, the last issue, the concept is, you know, it's it's sweet, it's nice and all, but it really, it doesn't. It, it's just a bit like, oh, you're ending the series like this. It's just um, Luke spending time with his daughter, and a um, he's reading her a, a bedtime story. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the premise, um, and it's just kind of them forging a connection, really. But it's just a bit. It's a bit of a lacklustre note to to finish on, you know. But again, you know, nice art, but yeah, just uh, it's just not as good as the stories David F. Walker was telling, which is a real shame. Um, what was good, though, was... Um, so I've been reading, like, the Conan series, Dark Horse has um, had been doing. Um, so I just picked up all the, uh, the, the trades on Comicsology. Uh, so I am... Um, yeah, I've just finished Volume 13... Which is Queen of the Black Coast. And this was fun. This was a really fun story. Uh, and it was adapting um, Robert E. Howard's Queen of the Black Coast story as well. Uh, and yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was like Conan going, you know going from the civilised world and, uh, like, his time on the sea. So, um, he's, uh, he, he kind of throws him with, with um, a captain to escape. As, you know, some trials that he, he was facing. Um, and while he was on sea, he fell prey to the pirate queen... Bellette. And uh, as things would happen, you know, because she saw in him a bold, fearless fighter, um, they fell in together. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's like Conan as a pirate kind of thing. And this is uh, and basically what we're getting in this uh, volume is his he's kind of first real big adventure. And and you just think, oh, is, is he going to succeed? What's going to happen? And there's also a lot of kind of fault within Conan. Like, do I want to live this life? Do I want to be with someone who's 
you know, so violent. Because Conan, although, you know, he's a barbarian, you know, he fights, he kills. But it's just not for the sake of it. It's always, you know, whether to escape or in a battle. You know, it's just not, he was, isn't going to sort of walk into a village and just kill everyone. So it's him trying to come to terms with, you know, living a certain life um, and that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, Brian Wood, he, he continues to tell great Conan stories. Yeah, so I, all right, yeah, I would highly recommend this. Art is by Becky Clunan. And, um, yeah, she does a great job. It's it's really enjoyable. A really enjoyable book. So, yeah, definitely recommend that. Um, and the last uh, thing that I've read is um, Judge Dredd, volume four of the, um, the last series. Uh, and it's by uh, Dwayne Sawinski, who's a, a crime novelist. Um, and man, he he really seems to have a good handle on um, on dread, you know. Um, so what this is about? It's like um, I'll read the synopsis. It's like dread returns to Mega City One, still recovering from the ravages of the long fail, only to find the Justice Department under siege. Seems that someone has snuffed 12 judges to cr- in creative and shocking ways. So, yeah, it's kind of, you know, after everything he's been through, he's back to Mega City 1. Um, and he's es- essentially being held on suspicion of, um, yeah, like committing all these crimes and everything like that. So he's trying to you know, prove his innocence, and, um, yeah, it's just the adventures of that, and, uh, yeah, trying to keep his friends alive, but, yeah, really interesting, really fun, um, you know, good art, Nelson Daniel, and Brendan McCarthy, they really seem to give you that kind of, um, 2000 and AD feel to it, because like IDW are now publishing Dread, but yeah, it still has that kind of feel of the old classic 2000 AD comic strips, so um, yeah, you know, another fun, another fun, uh, another fun book that I would say, yeah, I would recommend it, but you probably have to start from the beginning, I'm not sure you can really come into this at this stage, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, hopefully, um, next week, have some more fun reads ahead, uh, and, um, you know, be sure to, that we will be talking about them, uh, in, um, episode 10, so, uh, you know, come back next week. Well, I think we are drawing to a close, people. Um, yeah, I have rabbited it on for um, quite a while, I think, this week. So, um, 
Don't know if that's if that's a bonus for you or if a curse, but it is what it is, you know. But um, yeah, you know, I think next week there's going to be plenty to talk about, and I'm really excited because two of my favourite people in the world are going to be in the country, so I'm going to get to hang with my peoples, Cindy and Eric. They're going to be here, and um, we might. We might have him on the pod next week, yeah. Might have some contributors sitting and and, and chewing the fat with me. So that will be fun. And, um, yeah, there will be plenty to talk about then. And, um, yeah, we're going to be doing some fun stuff all next week. So there's going to be plenty to, um, you know what I mean, to come back and um, converse with the peoples about. So... Hey, everyone, be cool. Have a good week. Chill. Oh, if you're around um, Stratford at the weekend, it's Wing Fest. So um, go get your chicken on. That should be good. I'm hoping to go check it out myself. Um, otherwise, yeah, just enjoy yourselves, man. I'm hoping the weather's going to be um, reasonable. Not too ridiculous. I'm hoping my leg starts to feel better because um, it's kind of sucking at the moment. At the moment, I went to try and do some boxing. Hmm, interesting. I went to throw um, throw a, a a body shot just to turn. Oh my god, the pain! But um, I gotta try and keep. It's funny because you you've got to keep moving on it. But the more you move on it, the more the blood goes to that part of your leg. So it looks worse. And um, all the toxins go there as well. So then it becomes more painful. So it's about balance. I'm not sure I do balance. Well, I know I don't do balance well. I can't stand on one leg for shit. (laughs) So one thing when I do yoga and pilates, they're like, all right, so we're going to get in this position. And I'm just falling all over the place. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. And I'm meant to be going and I keep on talking. But fuck it. Hey, enjoy yourselves, people. I'll catch you next week. All right, I'm out. Peace.